but I just can't wait like for the day where just like random people in Charlotte are like, oh yeah, I freed a beer pilot. Oh yeah, I freed a beer pilot. Like it is, <laughs> it happens. It's so, it's so hilarious because I don't even care. It's like, oh, you want to brew a beer? Like I'm like, yeah, brew a beer. That's what we do. Plus, I don't want to brew all this beer. <laughs> so- Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Beer Fests are back. Oh, yeah, baby. And so is Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. Yeah, we are. And travel. Hey, I just, oh, yeah, I said travel, but now I get it. <laughs> that took me a second. I'm slow Be- on the uptake. Because uh, most of you know, and if you don't know, it means you need to start listening to us more. But we've been the last <laughs> few months in Salida, Colorado, snowboarding. But we are now just outside of Casper, Wyoming. Where? In Wyoming. Glen Rock? Shh, don't tell them our secret location. It's not a secret location. Anyhow, we're back on the road because we're heading towards Montana again. This is true. We're going back to the flathead, baby. <laughs> you don't know what to do with me, do you? I do not. That's okay. Most people know. They don't know either. That's true. Most okay. people don't. Anyhow, what we had also initially said is, <laughs> yes, travel is back, but beer fests are back. We just went, tell them. So we've been doing a lot of like brewery days. Yeah, if you guys have been um, following along on Facebook, you've probably seen a lot of photos. And on Instagram, too, we've posted a lot of photos of different brew days we've been at um, with professional brewers at their breweries. Um, but it's people making, like, want these cool, crazy... A lot, not of them all, They're not all crazy, but... Um, there's Some of them are kind of wacky, crazy, fun beers. And, like, it's a, they're one-off beers that at least two different breweries come together to make and then they pour them at this festival called collaboration fest which is a which is put on by the colorado brewers guild which is and it's just a fun way for all the brewers to kind of have an excuse to get together and um, do things together and then they get to hang out and drink together and it just fosters that community and after like the last couple years we've all had like it was just a great way to really come back Mm -hmm. and enjoy the people that we love in the brewing industry. So it was so much fun. Well, and those guys too, that's what everybody said. Cause a lot of these folks have been, you know, just going balls to the wall for the last two years, head down, trying to figure out what rules they have to follow and what best way to handle business and how to keep your business afloat. And a lot of them, in regular times would just hang out together and do brew together once in a while anyway just because they like to and well so many of them didn't get to do that until just recently this is their like finally get to do it yeah and it actually kind of it and it works well with our interview this week with rachel hudson from pilot brewing in charlotte north carolina because her whole focus is like these small batch brews Pilot Brewing, kind of get it. You'll learn more about the name. It's part of it. It's a pun. <laughs> Anyhow, but like... But yeah, it is a small brewery that, that she, you know, Rachel really likes to focus on creating new things all the time. Yeah, so it works... So it's not a lot of the same beers every time. Yeah, and it works really well with like what we're talking about with Fest mm-hmm. and how it kind of will ease here in a moment into our interview this week with Rachel because of that. I think it's pretty cool. But yeah. before we get to that, I have a question for you. What? Weirdest beer 
that you came across at CollabFest? Um, for me, the weirdest, and you know, the the one of the brewer, one of the brewers who made this beer is kind of a friend now too. It doesn't matter. It's weird. He knows but it's, it's weird. still weird. There, there was a. Um, okay, let me think if I can say it right. The Nashville hot chicken sandwich beer, and it 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 was very weird for me because it tasted like a Nashville hot chicken sandwich that's in liquid it's form. Called that, and there's nothing wrong with saying that that's the weirdest beer. I think that's an honor <laughs> because it was very weird, and it was made. Um, the collab, the breweries. Were, were actually counterculture and spice trade. Yeah. So that was the weirdest one. Um, was there other... I mean, the the other weird one, too, I think, really was the ramen beer. Because that was really interesting in flavor, too. It did. It had a really good spice to it. But it was made with ramen noodles. How can you not say it wasn't weird? That was weird. Weird doesn't mean bad. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. But it didn't taste like you were, drink, you were drinking a bowl of ramen noodles. It was made with oyster had, sauce. Yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe it's just the flavor. Maybe those flavors play more in beer that for some reason to me than than you just don't want chicken in your beer. Who wants oyster sauce in their beer? I don't know, but it seemed to work better than the but chicken. Anyhow, in the beer. that was the whole purpose. Wait, who was who was the ramen beer it was with Jade Mountain and, and Jagged Mountain and Jagged Mountain. Um, yes, but anyhow, the whole breweries. purpose of like you were saying earlier, Collab Fest was to come together and make these one-off experimental beers, yeah. whether they stick around or not. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose is to have fun and get together and build a community over all these beers. It was so much fun. And I do want to say that just because we're talking about a couple of the weird beers, they weren't all weird beers. Trust me. They were. There was a lot of normal beer and there were a lot of big boozy beers and... There's a whole lot of variety. Like it was a, a beer fest. Yeah, it, it did cover the gamut of everything. I don't. I don't want you to think it's a weird beer fest because it's not a weird beer fest. It's I'm gonna just, say, ooh, it's just that would cool be fun one. though. Weird beer fest. Don't anybody take that name. We call but it trademark. Can I say copyright right now? Shut up. Can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. So, collab fest. Yes, it's in Denver, but dude, there are so many breweries that collaborate, and there are a few other festivals out there that focus on collab collaborative breweries, oh, yeah. breweries and things. If I could ever speak, so like if you <laughs> ever come across something wherever you happen to be, and it's like a collab kind of festival or something, buy a ticket, spend your money, go. <laughs> or even just when you're in a brewery, if you see, because uh, most of the time when breweries collaborate together, they'll it'll say something up on their board or on their menu or whatever. It'll say collab with da 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 brewery and those usually are going to be one-off beers that they're probably not going to make again not not the same beer not the same way usually so mostly it's just an excuse to get together and have some fun and brew some beer and drink drink drink's the key yeah Yeah. so (laughs) on that note that's another thing with rachel at pilot um Mm -hmm. who you're going to hear from here real soon is she's always doing a collab beer and she's pretty much letting almost anybody brew and so that's really cool is like joe schmo from off the street could come in and possibly brew if it's done Mm -hmm. right you can't just come in and say hey i'm going to brew at your system right now but it's really cool that she does that she's not going to go here's the keys walk in brew yourself but but she has an interesting approach to it that sounds really fun to me like community brew days and things like that and you'll learn more about that it's cool but um I was, oh, and bef- so we, before we get to all that, I have to interrupt and say, if you've been listening, you know what's coming. If you are new to the podcast, 
you got to check this out. It's the coolest adult camp ever. Camp Carpe Diem. Travelers, RVers, come hang out, come mountain bike, come take some pictures, come hang out with friends, come sit around a campfire, come drink some beer. Camp Carpe Diem. C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. Discounted tickets all this month. Yes, until May 1st. Yeah, don't miss so out. So get them before May 1st. Yes. If you're hearing this after May 1st, just disregard the discounted ticket price. You can still buy tickets, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then also... Well, unless we sell out by May 1st. That could happen. Ooh, We're getting close. I also want to say, I got a little snarky and I was asking Rachel kind of a question that, you know, really just quit asking the question. But I knew she would have a little kind of funky answer for me. And I stole her word snarky, too. Because she used that word and it was great. But I asked her what it was like to be a woman in the uh, brewing industry because I knew she was going to have some smart-ass answer for me. So you're going to have to listen for that one because it's pretty fun. <laughs> She's good. And quit asking people that question. Quit asking women that question. You asked it. I didn't no, ask I it. No, I knew. I, I'm i telling our listeners don't want to ask that question. I asked it because I knew I was going to get some smart-ass answer. It was great. I know people people listen to our podcast all the way to the end. They just do. However, just in case, subscribe, buy us a beer, you know, all that stuff. Write us a review. Yeah, and just share the... Share. The biggest thing you can do for us is share the podcast with friends of yours that you think would enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now this is kind of a special episode too, and we'll explain that when we get to the interview. You ready? I'm ready. Are you? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Who are we talking to? We're talking to Rachel Hudson from Pilot Brewing, so here's Rachel. Um, we're teaming up with Malt Europe to highlight some breweries for American Craft Beer Week. It's May 16th through the 22nd this year, and we're here with Rachel Hudson from Pilot Brewing Company. Hello, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit more about like maybe yourself and Pilot Brewing and kind of where it all started? We'd love to hear the stories behind the breweries and behind the beer. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. I've been brewing professionally for about 10 years. I got into the beer industry when I was very young um, as a beer server. I was about 19 years old and I had gotten a job at a restaurant that had a lot of beer and I was not familiar with any of it. So um, in order to do well there, you kind of had to learn about these different styles. So I spent a long time there, uh, about five years and really absorbed a lot of beer knowledge and about beer styles and service of beer and uh, not so much about brewing but I knew a lot about the front of the house stuff. So a uh, brewery opened in Richmond, Virginia, which is where I'm from. Um, it is called Hardywood Park Craft Brewery. It opened in October of about 10, 2010. And I, you know, I got very lucky. I just kind of asked if I could be there, if I could, you know, sweep the floors, learn what to do, anything. Um, and a lot of people did. There was kind of, a cool moment for history or uh, for Richmond because like this was the first brewery to open in a really long time craft beer in itself was taking off um you know at the time there were I mean at the time when I started into beer even it was probably like four craft beer places in Richmond total I mean it was not it was baby it was very baby and so this is the first brewery to really open in a long time um, and when we worked there, we actually lobbied to have the law changed in Virginia so we could serve beer in a pint glass at the brewery. Um, at the time, the only thing you were allowed to do was take beer to go or do a tour and maybe get a sample, but it was all to go sales. Um, so 
Hardywood lobbied for that and got the law changed so we could operate and sell pints like a, a bar would, which opened the door for a lot of breweries to open in Richmond. So that was a really where a big boom came from in that state particularly. But I spent about two and a half years there really learning the brewing side of things. Um, it was a 40 barrel system. They had hired one person to work uh, doing everything like bottling, kegging, like the full works. Um, so I think they realized pretty quickly that they needed some cheap labor. <laughs> yeah, that's a so, pretty good system to have one person doing the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. We had like four 40 barrel fermenters and just like. Oh my God. Um, so I got super lucky. I, I like to think I was very persistent and uh, they, you know, I, I, I came on board from day one when they opened and I spent about two years there really learning um, everything I could and ended up leaving Richmond and going to work for Left Hand Brewery in Colorado in Longmont. And um, that was a really awesome move. It's just kind of really fun to live out there. You guys know, you spend a lot of time there. Um, we lived up in Longmont, which is a pretty sleepy town, but it was pretty easy to get to the, the slopes and snowboard and have that kind of lifestyle. And it was a fun place to work. I learned, um, you know, to brew on the big scale, which they had a 60 barrel system. They had 480 barrel fermenters. I got to learn how to, you know, transfer beer for, through one building from another, literally. And it was really fun. It was overnight brewing, um, 24 seven. So that got a little old. Also <laughs> my husband now, um, at the time he came out there with me, he is a pilot, which is part of where our, our brewery name comes from, but he was commuting from Philadelphia to Longmont so I could live there and work at long, uh, Left Hand and that got kind of old after a while and we knew that unfortunately uh, Denver would not be a place that we would settle down due to his job because so he had different city options but Denver was not one so we got the chance to move to Charlotte where he didn't have to commute so that's why we came here and I worked for Noda Brewing Company for a couple years while we opened up pilot brewing um and pilot brewing were a small three barrel nano brewery um all the big all the breweries i worked for in the past were super big did a lot of distro we knew that we didn't want to do that we wanted to have fun keep it fresh keep it small so we've been doing that for about three and a half years did, did you know that you wanted to open a brewery like when you first got into it i knew i always knew that i wanted to open something i thought it'd be a bar, a beer bar, um, until I got into brewing, maybe a couple years after into brewing. Um, you know, we once we moved here to Charlotte and we knew we were gonna be settled and having spent time in Colorado and doing, you know, brewing a lot, I just, I knew that this is what I wanted to do versus a restaurant. Um, not gonna say it's easier than a restaurant, but it's a little bit easier than a restaurant where I don't have to have like a staff of like 40. So here are 30 or whatever. So we're really small. So there's only a couple of people that work here, which, you know, makes it a little bit more easier to manage, but um, definitely not easier in any other aspect than that. <laughs> but it's been fun. And I, you know, once we moved here and, you know, just working for Noda, you're just like, how long am I going to be a shift brewer, you know, for the rest of my life? And I, I knew I needed to do this. Like I have that entrepreneurial will in me. I knew I needed to open something. And then when I got into beer, I knew it was going to be a brewery. Um, I knew before my husband knew. 
<laughs> and that's a whole different level, like your brewing versus like what you were doing at left hand and, and such. I mean, that's, I, at least from the people I've talked to, that's much more of a, just kind of a manufacturing type job where you don't get to be yeah. creative and you don't get to like play and let your creativity flow, which at pilot being so small, you're constantly changing beers over all the time and you get to have fun and do the things you want as long as it sells. <laughs> well, that's what yeah. that's what you're focused on there, isn't it? Like continuous rotating batches to get creative. Yeah. And that's kind of where our name comes from, Pilot Brewing. Big breweries have pilot systems where that's what they call them. They do small batches, one-off experiments. Um, that really, we really wanted that to be our niche. Uh, when we opened or before we opened, we were like, never going to brew the same beer twice, you know, never say never, but <laughs> we do have three beers that we keep on as flagship. Two of them change every batch, one with the hot profile, one with the type of coffee that the beer uses. And then we have our, our one beer that we always have, it's called Mimosa Goza. It's uh, very popular and sometimes you just got to give the people what they want. So other than that, we, we do a really good job of switching up. We try to reach and uh, release a new beer every Friday. And we have two systems. We have our, we have what we call our pilot system, which is our three barrel big batch system. And then we have our co-pilot system. That is our 15 gallon. I like that. Who's the pilot and who's the co-pilot at pilot brewing? <laughs> well, at the brewery, I'm the pilot in the skies. <laughs> I was just going to say it's, we, because we don't distribute that much, um, we keep mostly everything in house. We really can have fun and do special projects like brew a special beer for Malt Europe or the bar down the street or a certain charity. And we do all sorts of things like that. We also have started out um, over the, you know, while starting out and now we have trained everyone to do both bartending and brewing. We're starting to get a little way from that a little bit. One person is leaving us to take a full-time brewing job and we're taking that as opportunity to bring in a full-time brewer. Um, but for the most part, everyone has their hands on both sides, which has been very unique to breweries in general. Um, being so small, having three to four employees, we can do that easily. But um, so that's been kind of different here and in the sense of what you get when you have a brewery experience. Uh, so like our tap room is also very, very small. So you come in, you sit at the bar, you can talk to the bartender about brewing and you know ask any questions that you might have. Everyone also participates in the Cicerone certification program. So it, we, do, we get them through at least the first level, but you know try to push them to take the second level too. And they're just really big on the education side of brewing. And sharing that with the community and through our beer classes and we're and it's just we're able to do that kind of stuff because we don't have to focus on making the same beer all the time for production and take over the state yeah. do you feel like that's been really helpful with um with the way craft beer is like shifting these days because it feels like um i don't know having been around craft beer for a long time now i feel like there's a, a maturation going on yeah for sure I mean, I'm not going to say there's not like it's draft lines and getting draft lines out in the wild. The market is tough. You know, it's not like you only have, you know, the buyers don't have just five options anymore. They have a lot of options. So where that, where we kind of excel in that is that we don't have the year round beers that we push all the time. Like if somebody, 
likes to keep our island hopper on all the time, that's great. We'll do that. But if someone wants a new beer every time they ask for something pilot, we have that as well. Um, so that's been um, helpful. We also like to brew within style guidelines um, and more traditionally. So I have a pub ale right now and I'm probably the only Charlotte brewery to have a pub ale, which I is my ESB. I call it pub ale because it sells better than the word right. ESB. <laughs> it's a game you have to play sometimes, but um, I sell a lot of it in distro because nobody else has one available for distro. So the stuff like that works well for me. I also only need like a tiny, 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 tiny bit of distribution customers, which works well for me. I don't have to like rely on the sports bar to carry my flagship IPA who doesn't really know how to take care of craft beer well or care maybe. Um, so it works well. It is tough. Like I don't have a sales rep. I do. I go out there myself and push everything. Um, so it's not the easiest for sure, but it has its advantages and disadvantages. Oh, well, actually you mentioned, um, uh, Cicerone and then like all your yeah. staff go through that training and I know you're an advanced Cicerone. Are, do you have any, um, aspirations to try for that master level? Yeah, I took the master actually last November. I will be taking it again. Can we back up a little bit and maybe yeah. kind of tell our listeners a little bit about the Cicerone program? I know a lot of people who yeah. do know what it is, but just for those who maybe don't, and then oh, kind sure. of those differences. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Cicerone program is a beer certification program for the beer service side of things. Um, it, there, it's was established in 2005 in Chicago. It is a worldwide known program. Um, there are four levels to the certification program. The first level is called beer server certified, and that is an online test, pretty attainable. Um, you can take it from your computer. Uh, it's not too expensive. And it gives you the first, if you would like to pursue this program at any other level, you have to take the first level and then the second. And it gives you a nice little overview of kind of things you need to know for this program. Um, if I was to walk into a bar and saw that everyone was beer server certified, which when you become certified, they give you a little, uh, what's it called, certificate that you can hang on the wall, which most bars do. So if it's something that you can see, then I, I would know I'm in good hands. I would feel very good about the level of beer service I'm getting. Um, I'm assuming that they keep their draft, line draft lines clean, their beer glasses clean. Like I feel good being in that bar. Um, the second level is, I would have to go and double check. I want to say the first level, there's about 80,000 people who have taken the first level. The second level, maybe about 5,000. Um, the second level is a little bit harder to attain just in the sense that you have to sign up for a proctored test. You can't just go do it online uh, when you want to. Uh, it costs a little bit more money. Typically, you might have to travel to another city depending on where it is. So it's not, you know, there are barriers to entry in these exams, but you know, that's a, a second up test. It comes with an oral side and a tasting side of the exam, which you don't do online, obviously. Um, and also really great step. Like if I was to go in a bar and they were all second level certified, I would feel even better. I think that, I think it shows that you know what you're doing when it comes to beer service. Um, those two steps are very close together when it comes to test taking. Then the second, the third level and the fourth level, that's the advanced Cicerone and then the master Cicerone. I am an advanced Cicerone. I, I am studying for master. I did take master last year. 
Um, I got a 70. You have to get an 85 to pass. So, you know, it, it, it's a hard test. You, it, both of them are hard. Um, there, it is more of written. There are essays that you'll write. Uh, there's more orals that you'll sit down with people who have achieved this level or greater <laughs> and, you know, intimidating a little bit. So you, you sit down and you do food pairings and talk about beer styles and you really dive into a lot more than just beer service. You'll dive into more brewing aspects. Um, for advanced Cicerone, 140 maybe right now in the world. Wow. Um, and then for master Cicerone, there's 20. <laughs> and there's one in here in Charlotte and his name is Joe and he owns Sugar Creek Brewing. And it's a very hard test. I mean, most people I know, I, I think only two people ever, I, I could be wrong about that, but not many people have passed it on their first time. Um, and the advance is a mini master. It, it really is. Uh, it, the master is a two day long test. The advance is one day. And it really is just like a mini master. So you're going to give Joe a run for his money. Yeah. <laughs> Working I'll, on it. Working yeah. on it. He's, been, he's been really great. Like I can text him and ask him a question and, you know, like, what did, do you think or what happened here when you took this test or whatever but I was funny because I told him I had a three-year plan with the test and he's like because most people take it three times not he's like no don't do that you actually don't do that it's the only reason I did that is because I had life things to deal with like if you study you could do this and I was like crap it's really crap <laughs> I was really really you know planning on that three-year plan I was really counting on that <laughs> so I'm just thinking it just shows that you just know your shit about beer I like to uh, I, I I like to get certifications that say that, so other people believe it too. <laughs> For people that don't really know how big of a deal it is, it, I mean, one it should tell you something that there's 20 people in the world that are master certified. It's super hard, but I think more people in general are probably familiar with the wine side of things, where it's a sommelier, sure. and you're a master sommelier. You know, I mean, you know everything about a wine. You know who made that wine, where the grapes were grown in the world, all these kinds of things. And this is the same thing that a master Cicerone has to know on the beer side of things. And maybe even more. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's very comparable. He developed it said he couldn't pass the test. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a beer service test. Like, yeah, I talked about brewing a little bit, but it, I mean, there are harder things to pursue. Because people will ask me, well, that, what are you going to do? That? Like, what's after that? That's it. That's it. That's all. I'm like, no, that is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> there is so much more to dive into that's just, you know, chemistry side of things and like a lot more in depth. Um, but not, not to not master Cicero, it's an extremely hard test, extremely expensive test as well. So, um, but, you know, it, it's, it's fun to be able to, you know, that's how I, thrive in my beer world life is I keep studying and keep learning more. It really is a lifestyle. Uh, that's what I tell people. Yeah. Do you see yourself doing the same thing on the brewing side, like keep pursuing those higher levels and trying to learn these like more of, I don't want to say obscure, but just more harder to attain sides of the brewery side. Cause I mean, it's hard to say like when you've got, there's really no end to it. I think there's for no end. Master brewer is a weird word for me. It's kind of like, like you said, there's no end. You're always learning everything. And a master brewer is supposed to be someone who can do things, everything in the brewery, I guess. Um, that's brewery dependent, right? So 
Um, yeah, like there is the UC or the Siebel, either the Siebel class or the UC Davis, it might be UC Davis, that has a great program. I, we have an intern right now who is taking this program and he's doing it all online. And oh. I can't re remember how long, like eight weeks or 18, something ridiculous. It's really long. Um, at the end of it, he's supposed to be given a certificate that says he's a master brewer. And let me tell you something. If you just take one class and never worked in a brewery, you are not a master brewer. <laughs> like, there's a lot more that comes with that. Okay. So uh, experience is, is golden. You know, there's a lot of things that they don't teach you in the classroom. Well, it's like oh, you yeah. said, it's a, it's a lifestyle. Like it has to be. It a, is. Yeah. And it is. So you're working really hard on like, you know, improving yourself and being better brewer and being better, better what you're doing. But your brewery is also known for like the community that you've built around it. Can you tell me more like maybe about the community brew series and all the different um, companies, yeah. like, I guess, um, what was it nonprofits or just people yep. want to help out and things like that? Yeah. So we really want it to be known as that community brewing brewery like that neighborhood brewery just have that feel of that you know the camaraderie the cheers if you will um and just like homey we're like we're not that brewery where you go in and it's shoulder to shoulder although sometimes I wish we were but you know you could sit down you can have a conversation the music isn't blaring and you know one of the ways that we do that is basically invite it everyone to our brewery. I reached out to every single nonprofit in Charlotte and just said, hey, we're here for you. You know, we have space if you need to use it. We have, we can do events, whatever it might be. Um, and that slowly progressed into our charity of the month program, which every month we pick a local charity to sponsor and we brew a beer for them and donate proceeds of that beer to, towards our charity. Um, and that's always great. It gives them the chance to come to the brewery, set up an awareness table or host an event. Um, and it's really a mutual beneficial partnership. I mean, they bring people in the brewery, we're supporting the community and it's full circle. So, so yeah, so our charity of the month program, we don't just stop at that. Like literally any charity that reaches out to us and wants to do something, we'll do it whatever we can. Um, we also like to team up with the local home brewers around here they'll typically they'll do like an internal competition within themselves and not just me there's a handful of breweries that will pick like sponsor a category and we'll brew the winner's beer like at our brewery um charlotte's like in general is really good about doing that with the home brewers we also like to offer like guest brew days for charities for like silent auctions or you know fundraisers mm. so i'll typically like you know just print out a flyer for the charity and for a silent auction item and make it like you know a $500 minimum and if someone buys it you know all that money can go towards the charity but they can come brew a beer here with their friends and oh. and it's great for us too because like you know we'll give them some money to come back and enjoy the beer like so they're not feeling like they have to pay for what they made but we still get to sell that keg to the rest of the people in the tap room and and like that's great for us you know so there's little ways that we support the community but it's it's comes back to help us as well but I just can't wait like for the day where just like random people in Charlotte like oh yeah I brewed a beer pilot oh yeah I brewed a beer pilot like it is <laughs> and it happens it's so it's so hilarious because I don't even care it's like oh you want to brew a beer like like I don't have a wait list trust me I care typically like I don't have all the time in the day but if someone if it's charity related or like one of the people that work here has a friend who wants to brew a beer I'm like yeah brew a beer that's what we do 
Plus, I don't want to brew all this beer. <laughs> a tricky way to get so, flavor, I see. <laughs> yeah. No, but a fun I, thing. I, That's a fun thing. No, and I, I say it every time that someone else brews a beer, someone else writes a recipe that's not me. I, I'm like, this is great. I'm so glad you did this. I would not have thought of this myself or cared enough to do it or had time enough to do it. Like, and it gives an option that I just wouldn't have done myself. Like right now we have an Irish cream stout that's aged on wood chips with vanilla bean that one of our brewers did that I, like just, I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought about that. And we have this great beer on draft it, because of it. And so it's really, really awesome in that sense that it provides so many different options that I can't come up with everything on my own, you know? I mean, what head brewer can? Maybe maybe that's why you go to these breweries and they only have the same five to six options all the time. You know, it's, well, and when you're distro, I get that game when you're a big brewery, but no, it, it's a really great model for us. I mean, it is a labor of love for sure, but people ask us as we travel around everywhere we've been to, you know, a lot of different breweries and people always asking us like, what's your favorite brewery? I'm like, Oh, that is like one of the most annoying <laughs> questions. Because how am I supposed to pick a loaded, loaded question? I'm like, yeah. No. So on that note, uh, what's it like being a woman in the brewing industry? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. How do you respond to that? Because I imagine you still get a lot of those questions. I do. And I have a list of snarky responses that I get excited <laughs> to hear <laughs> some. It's, it's good. People love it. But I did do a podcast as a guest, I don't know, sometime last year with two male co-hosts, no problem of mine, but I, get, I got that infamous question and I told them it was actually really cool because I can stir the mash with my vagina and, <laughs> and like I sat there and just kind of made them deal with that answer for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah because i mean it's a really a, magical I, thing i can do as a female <laughs> yeah i can imagine like just two guys sitting there on the other end of the mic <laughs> can we even say vagina on our pipe i don't know <laughs> I, I did i made the cut i made the cut i went back and checked <laughs> nice i have told people that i'm like you know don't ask me that question it doesn't matter you know, I'm not going to answer, or I've turned, I've even turned down question and answer panels um, because all they want to do is talk about being a woman. And I'm like, why don't we put all these guys who've acted like assholes on the stand and ask them what it's like to be a asshole male in the beer industry, you know, and call them out. Like, why don't we do that? It's fine though. I don't like to take away from the spirit of women who are trying to get into the beer industry or need inspiration because being a woman is awesome. It's fucking badass. Do I brew better of it, better because of it? Probably. But do I know that for sure? No, I don't. Um, it's, you know, I, can I hire a brewery secretly full of women? I would love that. <laughs> I love can it. I do that legally? No, not me. You should talk a little bit about your podcast because you do have a podcast and just a little, a couple of episodes that I've listened to. It was really interesting and fun to listen to you guys. The podcast that I co-host with my friend, Jen Blair, is called False Bottomed Girls. Please let me explain that title. <laughs> uh, if you are in the beer industry, you might get it, but False Bottom is what sits on the bottom of the mash tun and allows the wart to separate from the spent grains and we use it as a pun to say, you know, we're going to help you separate through all this crazy world of beer knowledge and figure it out. So that is kind of where it comes from. But yes, we talk about all things beer, 
in a like we like to call it in a faith-based kind of way which is really just me and Jen just being me and Jen um we've gotten a lot of comments about how we like uh, women will like like to listen to us because you know one it's not the same white guys all the time talking and two we are talking about things that are more relatable to you know women or people of color or lbgtq or or whatever it might be even even to white men like um we just have a fun time doing it it kind of started out of entering a contest which if you know jen and i at all you know that we're very competitive so this makes sense for us but we she took she took a class on podcasting and then she saw this npr was doing a contest so if you like submit your podcast they would you know give you the money to to do it if you were the winner which we were not the winners but um we just decided to do it anyway so here we are and you know it's it's pretty low-key but we've been doing it for man two and a half years now it's been going by a lot fast so there's a lot of episodes you can listen to we have a website at faultsbottomgirls.com and that is bottomed ed or anywhere you listen to your podcast you can find it um we have Patreon membership set up. We do exclusive interviews with different people of the industry or related industries each month. We do um, hangout sessions with our Patreon members. We do uh, styles about or episodes about beer styles specifically and just like everything, all things beer. We try to keep it fun with some episodes and we try to keep it more technical with other episodes. Speaking of all that and beer and American Craft Beer Week, are you brewing? Have you thought about it? Are you brewing something special for it? Is it even on your radar yet? It's not even my radar. And I hate to say that because living in Richmond, Virginia, like like Craft Beer Week, oh my God, it was such a thing. All the distributors worked to do events and all the breweries did all these things. And it's just not a thing here in Charlotte. And I hate that the first couple of years we were open, before COVID, it was because one guy was so great to go and, and spearhead it and do it all. To answer your question, it will probably be some social media posts encouraging people to come drink. <laughs> well, you know, we have events. We release a beer every week. We're always having some sort of event or special. So, Well, I do want to shift gears just a little bit because I know you work really closely with Malt Europe and that you've been really um, one of the brewers that's really jumped on some of the new malts that they've been putting out lately like i know last year you jumped on the the crystal wheat three and made a really cool wit beer um what's the, i know there's some new stuff on the horizon right now what are you working with right now so they're putting out a new munich type malt if you are familiar with brewing um there's a couple munich types that you can get typically what you see is munich type one munich type two munich type one is what we call 10 levy bond uh this refers to the color of malt and Munich 2 is 12 Levy Bond. Well, Malt Europe has made a Munich 5, which can be a little bit lighter Levy Bond, 5 Levy Bond, um, that they asked us you know, to do a test batch with. And um, so I just decided why not use the malt as a showcase and just do a Munich lager with this 100%, well, it's actually 95% of the grain bill is the Munich 5 malt. And then the other 5% is some dextrin malt to give some head retention. Otherwise, I would have just done Munich 5. Um, as a brewer, to do a 100% Munich beer, you, we, growing up as a brewer, if you will, we have been taught that Munich doesn't work well as a base malt. 
Um, it doesn't have enough diastatic power. There, for some reason, there are lots of opinions that are divided both ways, like, no, it will work, and yet, no, it won't work, yes, it will work. Um, I don't see any reason why it doesn't work with the diastatic power that Malt Europe has provided us, so we just went ahead and dived into it. So that being said, this is the first beer I've ever done 100% Munich malt. Um, I typically would do like 50 or 60% Munich malt and the rest Pilsner. Um, so this is going to have more toasted bread crust character, a darker, like a, not dark color, but a deeper golden color than probably any other Munich Hells you'll be used to seeing because I would imagine most Munich Hells out there are going to have a blend of Pilsner, which is going to lighten it up. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. We just brewed a small batch in collaboration with Gilda Brewing yesterday at the brewery. So I haven't, I don't have much to give you on what the flavor is like right now. It was very much a gold color, uh, kind of a deep cold color. It was pretty. It wasn't too, it looked like, it looked like if you brewed a beer with caramel malt, just straight caramel malt. It's not going to taste like that, thank God, but, um, cause that would be awful, <laughs> but so I'm pretty excited to see how it comes out. You know, the malt itself is pretty similar to a typical Munich, typical Munich malt. Um, but just to see how it produces with basically a 100% malt grain of just that malt will be really interesting and definitely something I haven't done before. Um, hopefully that being said, it comes out great because we are brewing the same beer again on the big scale. Same, same deal though, collaboration with, with Gilda. We probably would have just done that, but we wanted to get this beer out in time for the Craft Brewers Conference. So that's why we have this small batch and big batch both in the works so we can get the small batch out in time, get it sent up there. But it was fun. You know, and Gilda is a, I don't know if you know about this brewery, but they are massive brewery in Europe. Um, 800 million barrel beers a year. Holy under God. like all uh, they have like multiple brands but under all their brands 800 million barrels of beer per year and they came to charlotte and they're like we're gonna open a small brewery like a little 10 really? hectoliters system they brought their brewer and their head chef from germany and then everyone else they hired locally so the brewer this poor guy he he's a really nice guy and he's just getting jumped thrown into everything i mean talk about switching countries but also learning the tax laws and what to do so oh every time he has a question he, he emails us and he's like what do i do about this tax form and i'm like let me get my husband <laughs> like so <laughs> and uh but they're so nice and their food and the beer is so good um i'm really happy that they decided to like work with just small little us um so that was really awesome so we're going to do the beer again with them. They've been using Malt Europe the whole time. They've been open. Oh, cool. Which is only probably just a couple months now with brewing, but they that's all they use. The last couple of years have been a little turbulent for brewers and especially on the small scale, I assume it's, it gets even more turbulent. But how has it been for you as far as like community support and like support from your suppliers like Malt Europe and others? Nothing has been too challenging for me because of the size I am. Like mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, shit, pro most problems are related to delivery drive, you know, FedEx, UPS, stuff like uh -huh. that. But, but, um, you know, Malt Europe and specifically has been really awesome to work with because Galen's just so great about checking in and staying 
and communication, which no one does that. Like no one asks like, oh, cool. You got your sale, but no one asks like, you know, what do you think about this mall emphasisly and like, how is this going specifically? And um, so they've been really great to work with in that sense. Like their mall is great. Uh, everyone has their, it's, it's hard to balance everything because you, you're certain things that you need to get from certain suppliers and being small, shipping has a real play in that because I don't just have room to be stacking pallets of malts like the bigger breweries do. So, right. um, but as far as like, you know, COVID changing things or the barley shortage changing things, barley shortage kind of too early, I think to tell for anybody how the effects of that are going to start hitting them. Um, I don't think I will be affected because I'm so small. But and that shortage but, was from, you know, the climate and the temperature and all that, correct? I mean, that it's not yeah. supplier's perspective. It's just the... No, yeah, yeah. It's just the, the crop was, was poor this year. I'm not surprised if that happens again next year, you know. Um, whereas I can easily switch malts up. I brew so many different beers all the time. But I haven't really had too many problems. I, it's easier in the sense that you don't have, you don't need so much, you know, when you're just my size. Okay. So we have a couple minutes left and I want to get to know uh, the person behind the beer. So uh -oh. just sure. a couple questions. Like basically that's a very simple question to start with. Rachel, who are you behind your brewery? Like outside of your brewery? Gosh. Okay. I try to leave town when as much as, as often as I can <laughs> with my dog. Um, it's really the only truly way to get a day off. I'm not coming in here. God, so much of me is my brewery. And I know that's sad. But, um, you know, other than that, like, a, a lot of me is the community, too. Like, I'm always having a conversation, probably too many, about what beer we can brew with the next person um, involving, you know, like, our next collaboration, if you will, like, with a local shop is we have, there's a a butcher, bread maker, sausage maker down the road who carries awesome European beers. And I, you know, we're going to brew a Belgian style beer with his spices. And mm. so that, that is me. I'm always like, oh, I want to brew a beer for this person and, then I go <laughs> and make it happen. And it's so ridiculous because I get to the point, I'm like, why did I do this? I don't have time for this. So doing projects that I don't have time for saying yes to things I don't have time for is a big part of what I do when I'm not brewing. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I try to get out and hang out when I can or when there's appropriate events like supporting, you know, Pink Boot Society. And um, I, I hate, I, I feel so bad because so much of my time here, my time is spent here or at home if I'm not here that going out has really been put to the, the back burner for me. Um, but that's okay. I love it. It's just, you can hear the passion for it. And if you are having fun, then there's no harm in that at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely get my breaking points where I'm just like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and then I come back and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You ready for the tough one? Sure. If you were a beer, what beer would you be and why? Now, that's not like what beer do you like? It's like if your character and your personality were a beer. I would be a Belgian beer because that is where I want to live. So I'm in hopes of going there. No, because, you know, just dark Belgian browns are kind of 
a lot of beer got me into beer. Belgian Browns were one of the styles when I was younger that I drank a lot that really got me into beer. I went to Belgium for my honeymoon, spent two weeks there and did private tours. And it was just so laissez-faire and we do what we want. We don't have styles and maybe we're open and maybe we're not. And if I could live my life like that, oh my God, that'd be great. Like, like, Right now I have brick and mortar and it has hours and it better be open and and all these things I have to do. But if I could just stop caring like the Belgian beers, that would be amazing. We used to say before we were, this is like years ago, before we were like really into the beers, like full time, we went to open a coffee shop in a small mountain town, one that would have a sign up there that says close down powder days and everybody (laughs) would understand. So we get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So now it's a brewery that we want to open that says close down powder days. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. I know. All right. <laughs> so you have all these bills that you have to pay. You're like, oh, I think I'll be open eight days a week now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anything else? No, I think I think we covered everything. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Excellent. That's it. It was great talking to you and meeting you. And yeah. Yeah. We'll cool. See. We'll talk soon. Bye. Dude. What? That was such a fun podcast and such a fun, like, conversation. How the hell did we not cheers at the end? Fuck if I know. <laughs> I guess that, I guess that's <laughs> what happens when you meet virtually and at, like, 9 or 10 in the morning. Yeah, that one was pretty early, yeah. I think, when we sat down to record. I think it just, for scheduling, it just had to be in the morning. And so, so and we didn't have any coffee stout, so it's like... Okay, we'll go with that know, one. If we had the coffee stout, we would have cheers, okay. I'm sure. We'll, we'll, we'll cheers at the end of this. But anyhow, I guess, though... She is in Charlotte, North Carolina, and y'all remember at the beginning, and you you know, I'm talking about Camp Carpe Diem, it's going to be in Brevard, North Carolina. Like, really, how far is that? I don't know for sure, but it's in the same state, so we will have to ultimately do a personal, in-person cheers with Rachel. Oh, yeah, we got to stop by. To make up for the not doing a cheers at the end of that. Well, we're going to be in North Carolina for a minute, so. Yeah, okay, so we'll have to do that. some time down there. All right. All right, you heard it before. We already said it, but hey, you know, we have to say it again because you know, we both like to repeat things. You've definitely heard us do that. Leave us a review, follow the podcast, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, talk about how cool we are. Talk about how cool we are because we're really super cool. Yeah, buy us a beer. And yeah, buy us a beer. It actually helps keep the podcast going. So. It does. We always need more beer. And on that note, cheers to more beer. Cheers to more beer. Ooh, and cheers to small batch brews. Ooh, I like me likey. Enough said. Longest cheers ever. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.